Good job, choir. Thank you so much. And that's at 8.30 in the morning. Can you imagine what it's going to be tonight at 5 o'clock? Oh, we're looking forward to it. Thank you so much. Listen, you may want to come early tonight. There's 40, 50 choir members. I heard rumor of 70-something kids. And so if you want a good seat, you better come. But SRO tickets will be cheap, so come on, we got room for you. You want to be a part, good time to invite people to come to be a part of the time together tonight. We look forward to it. Take your Bibles, if you would, and find Luke chapter 2. We're going to be reading verses 41 through 52. Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. We are beginning, and hopefully not just in what we do on Sunday morning, but kind of an emphasis on simple Christmas, helping to keep you and your family focused and uh, so what we do here on Sunday morning, Sunday night, hopefully all of our activities, Jesus will be the center of everything that we do. It'll be part of what we do even this morning. You might notice we will be looking at the uh, next two or three Sundays and on into Christmas Eve. We are going to be looking at passages to where Joseph is involved. We looked, some of you know that uh, if you were here this past uh, fall, past few weeks, uh, or even months, we looked at the Old Testament Joseph and learned stories from Joseph. Well, we're going to be using stories where the New Testament Joseph is at least present somewhere in the situation and uh, be learning more about Jesus, at least where Joseph is somewhat present. I say that uh, because he's only in a few, par- few places and a few parts of the New Testament in the story, and we're kind of counting down. So we're starting when Jesus was age 12, and then we'll be looking uh, back a little bit further about where uh, Joseph uh, had a dream and those kinds of things. And of course, be looking at the Luke 2 passage, uh, the Christmas story of Luke 2, verses 1 and following by the time we get to Christmas Eve. So we're kind of counting down our way. Don't look so confused. It'll be okay. We're going to make it simple because this is the emphasis on simple Christmas. To make it simple today, you want to know we're in Luke chapter 2, verses 41 and 52. And it is a familiar story, familiar passage about Jesus in the temple. Would you stand in honor of the reading of God's Word today? Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 41, says this, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom, and when the feast was ended as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. Its parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey, but then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. Verse 49 reads, And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. May the Lord bless the reading of His holy word today. And you may be seated. Having uh, grown up in church and even began reading the Bible at an early age, I probably read just enough of the Bible maybe to get me in trouble sometimes because it was probably a, my maybe some preteen years that I either found myself in a place that I wasn't supposed to be or that my parents did not know where I was. And before getting in trouble, I said, Jesus' parents didn't always know where He was. And to that, my dad said, Son, 
said, when you walk on water, feed the 5,000, heal the sick, cast out demons, die on the cross, and rise from the dead, then we can talk. But for now, you're grounded. <laughs> well, we come to this passage such as this, and we know that it uh, seems to me that uh, my dad even said something similar, maybe when I didn't want to get a haircut, and I tried to tell him that Jesus had long hair as well. Do you know we have in this passage not one recorded word of Joseph, the stepfather of Jesus? But what we learn from Joseph, we learn while he was with Mary or maybe even concerning Mary and Jesus. And I really picture Joseph a lot like my dad. Joseph was called a righteous man by Matthew. And like my dad, his actions spoke louder than his words. And we could, maybe, could even picture Joseph saying here at this particular occasion after the three-day search, Well, if you walk on water, feed the 5,000, heal the sick, cast out demons, die on the cross, and rise again on the third day... We'll let this one slide in the temple this time, Jesus, if all those things are true. And guess what? They were all true. But Joseph didn't say that, did he? Because we know, even though Mary asked Jesus why, they knew from their dreams and visions that they had at least nine months before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, they knew from the angels, they knew from the shepherds, the star, the wise men, the prophecies fulfilled. In the first dozen years of Christ on earth, Jesus is no ordinary person. He is the Son of God. They knew that He is the Savior of the world. Now, we're not told much about Jesus and His family after they leave Bethlehem, except that they lived in the small town of Nazareth. He had several half-brothers and sisters. Joseph was a carpenter and probably very poor. This is the only story, the only glimpse that we get into the family life of Jesus. And it's an important story for us knowing about Jesus, an important understanding what Jesus would teach us about our family life. And since Christmas is more often than not a family time of coming together and where there's family celebrations and often intensifies family life as well, we're going to ask questions and find answers that Jesus is giving us at the age of 12. Kind of under the subtitle, you've got your notes, questions and answers for your family this Christmas. And here's the first one that is good for Christmas and is good for any time. How can your family discover God's will? How can you know God's will? Or how can you help those around you and help your family to discover God's will? There's lessons to be learned even in the faithfulness of Mary and Joseph. Now they knew that Jesus was the promised Messiah because they believed what the angels had said about Jesus. They could not know all that was involved or what the future might help. And maybe not even the exact kind of Messiah Jesus would be. But we're told in the Bible, after the birth and the happenings in Bethlehem, the fleeing of Egypt to escape the killing of the babies by King Herod, many prophecies were fulfilled and they went back to their home in Nazareth. And maybe in Nazareth we could only imagine in our sanctified imagination that they may have had a loving home conducive to the maturing process of Jesus. Now, without this passage we might have a hard time understanding exactly about this process of what was happening with Jesus. Still, we have a hard time understanding it. We might think that when Jesus was born, He knew all things and uh, the moment that He was born. And, of course, we understand, according to this passage, Jesus grew in wisdom in His relationship with God and man. Now, that word favor is, comes from the same word or could also be translated as grace. God's grace was upon Him, of course. He loved people, but the more he grew, the more people love him. But you need to know that we're walking a fine line here because Jesus always was Jesus. Even before the creation of the world, he was 
and always will be Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, that He was there. Not only was He there at creation, the Bible tells us, John 1, 1, that He was the Creator. But He allowed Himself to become like us in every way in order to identify with humanity, but He never stopped being God. Jesus was tempted in every way that we are tempted, but He never sinned. Now, the same thing could not be said of Joseph, nor could it be said of Mary. But they were the ones chosen to parent Jesus, and they did some things right. We read verse 41 a moment ago. If you look a couple of verses up in verse 39, it says, When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord. So we find them wanting to do all the things that they knew to do as parents, all the things they knew to do as God's people. And then we read verse 41 a moment ago. Every year his parents went to the feast of the Passover. Evidence is that they were doing everything they could to provide the proper home for Jesus. Even going to the Passover in Jerusalem every year. Now, all Jewish men in a certain radius of Jerusalem were expected to come particularly to the Passover. The ladies weren't necessarily required to go, while all Jewish men were to go if they could. But Mary and Joseph actually could have come up with a lot of excuses. Nazareth was about 50 miles away from Jerusalem, long way for someone to walk or even to go by donkey. And then most people, when they traveled, they traveled around Samaria, almost doubling the effort to be able to get there. Plus, they were people of humble means, a financial burden for the two-week trip to come to the Passover every year. But the Bible tells us they went to the Passover every year not knowing exactly how Jesus' life would unfold, but they were faithful to set the stage for what the future would bring. Are you catching some of this? It needs, it's taking place and needs to take place. Look at the application. We don't know how the Lord's plan will unfold in coming days. You may be here today and you have little clue about what God's plan and purpose is for your family or for your children or for the future. But let that not be an excuse. Instead, let it be an incentive that you want to find yourself and allow God to be at work in you and in your family. As a pastor, I often get asked the question by parents, should I make my kids go to church when they really don't want to go? I mean, if they really don't enjoy it, won't it make them to resent church or not want to go later? I want to answer that question just a little bit. But no, first of all, we want this to be a place that regardless of your age, that you want to come, that you want to be a part of what's happening in God's church. And so we're working hard for that to happen. But here's the answer. Do everything you can as a parent so that you don't have to make them come to church. Don't send them. Go with them. And parents, our attitudes about our church says as much about our actions perhaps or just the fact that we come to church in other words if we have a negative attitude about church then our children are more likely to have a negative negative attitude make church a positive experience and more than a place that you attend get involved and if you get involved your children will be more likely to get involved and if all that does not work for your children children where you're providing food and shelters and phone and cards and xboxes and netflix and cable tv and you're still making some decisions for them make it a non-negotiable because you want to expose yourself and your children and your family to all the truth that you can as much truth as possible but setting the stage for god to do his work is more than just church attendance 
It's through genuine worship, serving with other believers. It's the reading and studying of God's Word and praying daily, reaching out to others and ministering the community in Christ's name, doing the things that you know to do, which I believe is what we find in Joseph and Mary. They were doing the things that they knew to do. Do you, do you know why we should do what we know is right? It's not so God will give, do us a favor one day. It's not even try to pay God back somehow. But one of the reasons that we need to do what we know we should and what God would have us to do is so that we can be allowed to be a part of what God wants to do in our life and our family life and in the community and in the church. We want to be a part of what God is doing. And it's because of what He has done for us and because He has, is the one who came to be born in Bethlehem and die on the cross and give us the gift of salvation which He provides. So how can you help your family discover God's will? How can you discover God? Be found faithful and love Jesus more. Be found faithful and love Jesus more. You remember the story of Peter who denied knowing Jesus three times before he went to the cross. Before Jesus went to the cross, we know that Peter denied knowing Jesus three times. And then on one of the occasions, after the resurrection, we find Jesus and Peter and the other disciples, they're having a grilled fish dinner being provided on the Sea of Galilee, provided by Jesus. And there Jesus asked Peter three questions. He says, do you love me more than these? And he asked him three times, surely reminding Peter of the fact that he denied him three times. And it was one way in which he was reconciling, forgiving, putting Peter back where he needed to be. Do you love me more than these? And every time Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, well, then feed my sheep and feed my lambs. I gotta, sometimes I wonder about why Jesus asked that particular question. Do you love me more than these? Why did he just say, Peter, do you promise not to do it again? Peter, do you promise not to fail me anymore? Peter, we just, you, know, you just need to, start to, you need to fly right. Don't deny me before others. But instead he asked him, do you love me? It may have been because he knew Peter was going to fail him again. He knew he was going to sin again. We know that Peter failed again. It's talked about in Galatians probably many times, that other times as well, just like we do. Just like we find we try to please the Lord and try to do right, and then we sometimes are going to sin, we're going to fail again. The Lord wants to bring us back in right relationship with Him again. But I think He asked Him because regardless of how many times we fail, regardless of how many sins we sin or how many mistakes we we never want it to stop us from loving Jesus more. We can continue to grow in our love for Jesus. Don't stop loving Jesus. And it's because of your love of Jesus that you want to be found faithful. Well, how about this next question? What can you expect when Jesus is part of the family? What can you expect when Jesus is part of the family? It was a mission vacation Bible school. We were doing up in northeast part of Alabama, very rural churches, had three or four churches that we were doing vacation Bible school in. and Most of them had never had a vacation Bible school before, so we divided up and we were going to the little bitty small church and we were hoping maybe to have about a dozen kids. And On the first day we had 50 from three years to high school, two adults and three teenagers and Boy, for that week, we just did, we were planning. So, well, maybe we'll have a dozen. We planned for 20. We had 50, but we did the best we could. Oh, you know, it was, got to tell you, they were 50 of the rowdiest kids I think I'd ever been around as well. And we, man, it was, a, it was kind of a tough week. I waited to the last day to do the, uh, to give the salvation uh, talk. And I kept thinking every day would be a little bit better. Well, finally, it's Friday. So we went ahead and gave the salvation talk. And, and so I, I told them and I shared with them that, 
Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins. And Jesus and He rose again on the third day. And everyone who puts their faith in Jesus, asks Christ to forgive them of their sins, can be saved. But I gotta tell you, I didn't really feel a moving of the Holy Spirit. I didn't give an invitation, didn't ask them to raise their hands, I didn't ask them to even to fill out a card. When I got through, I, I thought, well, I said, well, I prayed a salvation prayer and I gave them opportunity to pray to receive Jesus. And I said, listen, if anybody prayed to receive Jesus today, just come and tell me later. You know, not really expecting there to be much response. Last thing we did every day, once we got through every day, we kind of let them loose and everybody played frisbee, had recreation and snacks. And standing there, kind of the week is over, you know, we're thinking we did construction in the afternoon and the evening time, so it was a long week. And, and uh, three high school boys all came up to me, and they had been some of the roughest boys all week. I kept wondering why they were even coming, you know. We kept having to get on to them, and three high school boys came up to me three different times, not knowing anybody that the others had come, and they said, I prayed to receive Jesus today. I became a Christian today. When Jesus is part of the family, when Jesus is part of what's happening, He will surprise you. You can expect sometimes the unexpected. God surprises Mary and Joseph. They found out life with Jesus is not business as usual. Things are different when Jesus is in the family. They traveled today's journey when they found out Jesus was not with them. Throughout the day, they thought that Jesus was with one of the relatives or the friends. It's also tradition in that time that the women would travel together and they would leave early. Men would take care of the business, whatever they had, and then they would catch up. So men and women would often travel different. Each parent may have thought that Jesus was with the other. So we are like Jesus' family in some ways. Many children get left at church, whether you know it or not, simply because you've come in two cars. I thought Junior was with you. Oh, I thought he was with you. We used to live next door to a church in a parsonage, and oftentimes, every now and then, so uh, about the time we sat down to eat lunch, there'd be a knock at the door and be one of the church kids. they say, I was playing in the playground, and I think Mom and Dad left me. Can I eat lunch with you? Come to find out, it became a thing that uh, the kids would often tell the parents, I'm not ready to go home just yet. I'm going to stay and play with the preacher's kids and eat lunch with them. But But you always come back. So Mary and Joseph were not the only ones to misplace a child after worship. Mary and Joseph had to travel back to Jerusalem. I mean, we can only imagine perhaps what they were thinking. Moms usually think the worst. Well, what happened to him? Is he in a ditch somewhere? Has he been carried off by wild animals? Today, a missing child could mean the worst. There'd be an amber alert. But consider Mary and Joseph. Not just any child is missing. The Savior of the world is missing. One decade earlier, when Jesus was two years old, there was a Roman king that had sought to kill Jesus. Two decades after this, and later another Roman leader would succeed. They had lost the Messiah for three days at the age of 12. Now, how did Mary and Joseph feel about this? Oh, probably not stressed at all. My goodness, it's Jesus. He's the Savior of the world. God's going to take care of him. No, did you read verse 48? It says that they were in great distress. In the original language, that means they were in great distress. And then they found him apparently in a place that they did not expect, or at least that they did not first look. Verse 46 says this, After three days they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening and asking them questions. Now we don't know how many places they may have looked in those three days. That three days may have included the day they traveled away, they they traveled back, and there there's a day of searching. What had Jesus been doing for three days? Now they know. 
Now we've given you the answer already. What can you expect when Jesus is part of the family? Expect the unexpected and trust Jesus more. Now if Jesus is part of your family, if you follow Jesus, it will not be business as usual. There will be unexpected twists and turns along the way. Jesus warns us life will not always be easy when Jesus is part of your family. Being a disciple of Jesus is not for the faint of heart. He wants to move us to be a family of people who are more like Him. And Jesus will be at work around us even when we are unaware. He'll not leave us where we are. Listen, understand this. Change is inevitable. Whether you're a believer or not, change is inevitable. But Jesus is working in your life for transformation. So you might as well already be intentional in being ready to change, ready to grow, because as a believer in Christ, the Lord's not going to leave you where you are. But there's another reason that we can expect the unexpected. Because if we follow Jesus, or if we seek to place Jesus at the center of our family, Satan is going to be at work to destroy the family. And a family that is seeking to be a part of the kingdom of God can expect spiritual warfare to take place. Now some of you already know what we're talking about when we say spiritual warfare. Some of you kind of sounds kind of scary. What does it mean, spiritual warfare? Let me tell you today that if you believe it to be true, or if you feel like that you have already experienced spiritual warfare taking place in your life, in the life of your family, well, it could be an indication that you're on the right track or at least heading in the right direction. But thank goodness, as the Scripture tells us, greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world, or greater is He that is in my family than he that is in the world. So how do we combat combat these attacks on the family and on the believers to be an influence in the world? What leads us to the next question, the third question? How can you keep your family focused on Jesus this Christmas? Well, Mary asked the question, Why have you done this? We've been searching. We have the first recorded words of the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords in Scripture. If you have a red letter edition of the Bible that you have in front of you, it's the first time you're going to find red letters, Luke chapter 2, here where Jesus begins to speak. Now, Luke, the gospel writer, he's the keeper of the family photo album. Most of us have a family photo album or a smartphone album or some such to where you keep pictures and you've got the births and the graduations, vacations, all the important things. You've got those pictures. You know where you can go and get them. We know where we can go and get them because we have Luke. Luke is the one who paints pictures for us. and He's doing it with words. He's the only gospel writer who took a picture of the birth of Jesus, which happened also to be the first Christmas card. He took pictures of all those who came to the LDR birthing room, and it's called the manger. He takes pictures of the first visit that Jesus takes to the church, to the baby dedication, later his baptism. And now, in the scripture that we're reading, he's taking pictures of Jesus' 12-year-old visit to the temple. But this time, it's an action shot. Now, some of you are probably more familiar with this than I am, but there's an app that's called the Marco Polo. There's probably different apps that you can use for that. But it's kind of an app for videos that you can send it directly. Now, listen, I'm not going to get this right how to explain it, but it's where you can send it like a text, like a video you can send directly, and if they're not ready to receive it, they can watch it anytime, and I suppose they can watch it over and over again. Well, long before the video apps, Luke does an action shot of Jesus in the temple, and he does a 
And he records the first words of Jesus chosen as inspired scripture for all of history, for all of eternity, because we know God's words going to be the only thing that lasts through eternity. Now, not his first words ever, we understand, but the first ones to be put into the book of books. Now, I've made a big deal about this, but what were the first recorded words of Jesus? It's Father. But it's not about an earthly father, but about a heavenly father in his house. Why were you searching for me? Jesus asked, didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? In verse 49. In the King James Version, it says, I must be about my father's business. Now, the literal translation is hard to put in English. That's why we get a little bit different ways in English. But it's something like this. I had to be in thee of my father. If we had to say it literally as it is in the original language. Do you have any questions about what's taking place here? I mean, did Jesus make a mistake of some kind? Did He have a lapse in judgment? Let me put your mind at ease. Let me calm all your fears. There is no sin by Jesus or even an error in judgment. Luke always stresses the humanity of Jesus while at the same time he he shows His divinity. He seemed startled. They were looking for Him. They said that they were actually searching for Jesus which had to be the greatest understatement in all of the Bible, but in His deity, He was fulfilling His purpose and revealing His own identity, of which He is fully aware. How appropriate this is in our busy family lives, particularly during Christmas, of getting it all done, squeezing it all in. Doesn't, doesn't Satan want you to be able to get so busy, stack one thing on top of another, so that eventually you move a little bit off the center, a little bit further and further away, a little bit to where Jesus is no longer the center of where he needs to be. He's moved out of his proper place. But we're reminded in this passage and from the very first words of Jesus that God's people are to be about God's business. What Jesus was doing in the temple, what what do you you picture him doing in the temple as you picture this? I've seen the pictures that we sometimes use in our children's and uh, classes and stuff and often it is of Jesus. He's standing and teaching But what's the picture that Luke paints for us? Is he standing? No, he's sitting, listening, asking questions, albeit they were astounded at his answers and understanding. We also need to find ourselves teachable in a place where we'll be learning more and more about the most important business there is, our Father's business. So what's the answer? How do you keep your family focused? And by the way, we'll be talking more and more about that throughout the month. But don't get distracted and be determined to discover what's most important. Don't get distracted. Be determined to discover and know what is most important. Let me just give you three ways. We just got a couple. Is it really just about two weeks and a few days till Christmas? Yeah, I need to get started shopping soon. But don't get. here's something that you need to be doing. If you don't want to be get distracted, these three things. Think about it, not so much as a checklist, but is this what's happening in my life? Corporate worship. Are you worshiping with others? Family worship. Spending time in your family talking, praying, and reading God's Word. Personal worship. Be sure that those are a part of your next couple of weeks. And then, even beyond, you understand. What about when Christmas or family life or or life itself has not turned out like you had planned? Verse 50 says that they did not understand. Most parents, after... Child's been missing for three days. They would have been frantic, began with a hug, moved to a scolding, maybe then a grounding. (laughs) But if nothing else, they knew that Jesus was not like any other 12-year-old and there was a purpose. 
But what did Mary do? She did what she always did. She treasured these things in her heart. She remembered them and accepted them as part of God's plan, just like she did at the birth, just like she did during Jesus' ministry, just like she did at the cross, just like she did at the empty tomb. Mostly she accepted and acknowledged that whatever Jesus did was part of God's plan, even at the age 12. Whatever Jesus did was part of God's plan. Aha! (laughs) Maybe that's the answer. We might not understand all that happens, even all that God does or allows to happen, but acknowledging that God has a plan and a purpose and accepting that's part of living by faith. God does not cause every bad thing to happen in this world, but He's always at work for the good in the lives of those who love Him and those who are called according to His purpose. And as we've looked at Jesus and His family today, you may be saying, I know Jesus, and my family's not like Jesus' family. Well, welcome to the club. we got t-shirts. Neither is mine. But what an opportunity there is for God to demonstrate grace, mercy, and love on you and yours and what a, how God can be able to work through an imperfect family like yours and mine to be a testimony to others of what God can do with imperfect people like us as we grow to be more like Jesus. If not in stature, then in wisdom and in favor with God and man. Neither your family nor mine will ever be perfect, nor will be free from problems. But you need to know there's a world that is watching, and they need to know the difference that Jesus can make. My, uh, my grandparents on my father's side were not churchgoers. My dad was taken to church, sometimes by an older sibling, sometimes by a neighbor. But he loved church, and there he found the Lord Jesus, and he became a believer. And later he was called to ministry when he was very, very old. He was 35. I was eight years old, and my goodness, I thought he was a senior adult. I did wonder how he could be the best softball player at uh, such an old age in the state of Alabama, but come to find out he'd been doing ministry all along. He just came to a place to where it became a vocation for him. Now my grandmother, she was a hard-shell primitive Baptist, by membership, though she didn't go, and she died when I was a preschooler. My grandfather became, did become a believer, and he was baptized at the age of 80. So my dad did not have a spiritual legacy in his family before he started one. But he started one. And of my mom and dad's family, of which there are four children, all of the children, all of the grandchildren, and all the great-grandchildren of age, are born-again believers. This Christmas, this is a great time. It's a great time to continue or to start your spiritual legacy with Christ and to have an influence on your family. Not long ago, we were with uh, family and friends. It may have been Thanksgiving. And somebody asked around the table, asked the question, what's the wisest decision that you ever made? Most people just play games, but we actually they were getting ready for a Sunday school lesson and they want to know the answer. So whatever you answered, the next person had to answer something different. Somebody had already said, uh, accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. My brother, the lawyer, said the wisest decision he ever made was opening up a 401k at the age of 25, particularly with three kids in college. I thought, well, that's a pretty good answer. Well, financially speaking, that's pretty good advice, especially for our young adults. And we've probably all heard that you need to start saving early, invest at an early age. And for our young people, for the rest of us, let me give you this bit of advice. 
Something that Jesus declared at an early age. Invest in the Heavenly Father's business. The dividends will be well worth it. It will be one of the wisest decisions you will ever make, whether you be 92, 22, or 12. Start now. For I'm thankful that my Heavenly Father's business was also my earthly father's business. I'm thankful that it was Joseph's business. I pray that it will always be mine and that it will be yours. But what about when things have not turned out like we had planned or like we had hoped or like we'd asked Jesus for? Well, here's an answer. Pay attention and allow God to work. Pay attention and allow God to work. Watch God work through you as you seek to follow Christ and are intentional allowing God to shape you in who you need to be. Jesus was certainly, even though He was divine, He became submissive to the Heavenly Father. And even though He was divine and human, we find the Scripture tells us He became submissive or was obedient to His parents just as He was supposed to be. How we need to be submissive to the Lord God and pay attention. Now there may be someone here today who needs to give their heart and life to Jesus. God wants to do some amazing things in and through your life. There may be individuals and our families who want to need to join the church even this morning or sometime very soon because you need to be a part of a church that is wanting to help you to grow in Christ. And so we grow together to be all that God wants us to be. Maybe you want to dedicate your family to the Lord and dedicate your family, particularly this Christmas. We encourage you to do that. You may need to keep a godly legacy going or maybe you need to start anew. Whatever that decision is, we encourage you to do that today. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come and to be in your house. We thank you for the many opportunities we have this time of year to be able to come before you to celebrate the birth of Christ that points to the cross of Christ and to the resurrection. We thank you for the greatest gift ever given. We thank you, Father, and we pray even today, Father, that we may learn how when we have questions that you have answers for us, and we thank you that those answers are found in Jesus. And we pray that we may be about the Father's business as well. We pray, Father, that there's someone here that does not know you as Lord and Savior, that today might be the day of salvation, the day that they call upon you. Even now, Father, even in this prayer, we know that they can ask you for forgiveness of sin, ask Christ to come in. And we thank you, Father, for the opportunities that you afford us. May we continue to be exposed to the truth more and more. It's in the precious name of Jesus we lift these prayers. Amen.